This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon to everyone. Welcome to our BTPC Easter service. Um, this is actually the first time in our generation or perhaps two generations or even three that the churches can't meet literally together. So we thank God for technology that some churches can still meet. So why don't we begin this time by asking God to help us to engage with his word. So would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this means where we can study your word together. We can sing praises to you, to you and for each other, reminding us of the faith and the gospel truth that we have. Right now, we ask God that you, your Holy Spirit will help us to engage with the passage and our hearts to be able to respond to you. Be with us this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in our current COVID-19 pandemic, we wonder if the world will ever be the same again. We may wonder if the way we live and work and travel will be the same even post-COVID pandemic. Perhaps we remind ourselves how some historical events really do change the trajectory of our human story. So I'm going to begin by getting us to do a polling. And the question is this, which event do you think has made the greatest impact on humans? Okay, which event do you think has made the greatest impact on humans? COVID-19, World War II, your birthday. If someone say the Spanish flu, probably you might be one of the doctors or medical person who actually knew uh, how serious it was. Uh, These are the results. Well, you will have your reasons for whichever option you took. Perhaps the 20 to 50 million deaths from the 1918 flu or the 60 over million deaths from World War II. Perhaps the profound economic impact of industrial revolution that actually indirectly raised the life expectancy by decades for us. Or perhaps the profound impact of Google. The other day, my son showed me the picture of a toilet in the space station via Google Space. The list goes on. But well, this morning, this morning, I'd like to invite us to consider the impact of Easter on our world. Now, there was an interesting 18th century painting by a French artist. I'd like to invite you to imagine with me first. It was a painting of a strong young man. He had just fallen off his horse. A bright beam was shining on his face. His companions and horse were in utter shock. But the fallen young man with his helmet being thrown off, his sword underneath him, his left leg barely escaping the fallen horse, he looked unusually calm. He was facing the sky. His hands were um, facing the sky as well, raising there. And he was totally immersed in that moment. Now, let me show you that picture. That was actually a painting that depicts St. Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. History records that Paul was on his way to imprison Christians in Damascus. 
but the encounter on the road changed him from being a bloodthirsty religious fanatic into a man who was willing to spill his own blood to tell people about the good news of Jesus. In fact, let me read right now how the Bible records this account. It is found in a book in the Bible called Acts, and this is what it says. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple, meaning Christians. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that is, those who followed Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The man traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now, you may look at this and might ask, what does this account of Saul, also known as Paul, have to do with Easter or us? Well, actually, everything. So today, we're going to look at this talk in two parts. First of all, I would like to invite us to look at Paul's conversion and actually his conviction of Jesus' resurrection in Acts 9 that we just read. And then we will look at Paul's explanation years later on the implication of Jesus' resurrection on him and on all Christians, which is the passage that Suti read for us today. Why do we want to look at Paul's conversion? This is the reason. For you see, Saul in his days, he was a very intelligent and ambitious, influential and convicted man. We're told in history, Saul, he was advanced in Judaism beyond many of his contemporaries. He was exceedingly zealous for the traditions of the fathers, and he came from a great family lineage. He was schooled under the famous Gamaliel in Jerusalem. He was also favored by the most powerful religious people, including the high priests. So from all accounts, Saul, he was a very, very prominent man. He was envied by his peers, feared by his people, and loved by the powers. But most importantly about Saul was that he was very convinced of his mission. And this is his mission. He wanted to rid the world of every single Christian. He wanted no festivals and no people to celebrate Jesus. Why would he say that and why would he have this mission? Well, here is the context of the Jewish people back then and perhaps even today for some. The Jews, they were waiting for an anointed person called the Messiah from God because this Messiah, they thought, would come and bring victory to the Jewish people and they will be a great nation. 
But then a man called Jesus came along. He was a nobody, but he started to gather followers who start to follow him. But eventually this Jesus ended being put to death on a cross on a Friday. Now, for, for Saul who knows the scriptures well, he knows this is a big problem because here is it. He knew in scriptures that a man, if he's being punished and put to death and hung on a tree, God's words say he's a man cursed by God. So how could this Jesus be an anointed one from God? Surely this growing cult of Jesus, these Christians, they must be silenced, killed, and be put out of history once and for all. There should never have been any Christians. And if anyone could stamp out Christianity right at its beginning, at its roots, it would be him, Saul the Great. But now on his way to Damascus, to imprison Christians, Saul himself came face to face with the resurrected and now glorious Jesus. You now the painting of the French artist was beautiful, but perhaps not totally accurate. Because while the rest of Saul's companions would have avoided the bright light, Saul, his face was probably not calm. He probably tried to force open his own eyes to stare at the light at the person who was speaking to him. So much so that by the time the light disappeared, so was Saul's eyesight. He became blind by trying to peer and look into the face of the one who speaks to him. You can imagine the same for you and me. Imagine we go out without a day without clouds and stare at the sun or something brighter than the sun for an extended period of time. We too will lose our eyesight. So Saul, also known as Apostle Paul, he became blind. He was led to Damascus. And for three days, he refused to eat and drink. He needed to understand what it means for this Jesus whom he persecuted to rise from the dead after being hung on that cursed tree. In fact, hundreds of Christians had claimed in, G in Saul's time that they had physically seen and even touched Jesus. Those that saw in prison and want to put to death, they would rather die than to deny what they have witnessed. So now Saul himself, in the most unusual way, have also sinned to glorify Jesus. But he needed to understand from scriptures, what does that mean? No, if God had risen Jesus from the dead, then Jesus must be loved by God. And if God loved Jesus, then he must be an innocent man to be vindicated from his death. And if that is the case, it means that when Jesus was hung on the tree on the cross, he was cursed by God. But perhaps it was not for his own sin. Here's where Professor D.A. Carson wrote an excellent reflection about Paul's possible struggle after his Damascus experience, which I will quote uh, Professor D.A. Carson on what he said. This is what Carson said. He said, if Jesus was under the curse of God when he died, yet was vindicated by God himself, he must have died for others. 
Somehow his death absorbed the righteous curse of God that was due others and cancelled it out. In that light, the entire history of the Hebrew scriptures looked different. Was it not written referring to Isaiah 53 that a suffering servant would be wounded for our transgressions and chastised for our iniquities? Does the death of countless lambs and bulls really take away human sin? Or do we need, as it were, a human lamb of God, a human Passover lamb? No, dear friends, if Jesus merely lived in history and died on the cross, Christianity really doesn't matter. If you have a Bible or you are given a Bible, you can literally read it just as a storybook, a tragedy, an ancient cult, intriguing philosophical poem. But you can do whatever you want with it. It really doesn't matter. If Jesus merely died and stayed dead, Christianity does not matter. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, then it makes all the difference. It will be terribly troublesome, but also amazingly hopeful. It's troublesome because we can't just read this as a story anymore. We can't be selective. We have to read the whole thing. But the amazing thing is that it also means that the scripture tells us things about death that we need to know and solution to death that we need to have. If Jesus did rise from the dead at the first Christmas, then what he says carries the weight that no one else can carry. And this is what Jesus said even before he died and rose from the dead. He said these words, and you probably have seen these words because you almost always will see them on a banner behind the casket of a Christian funeral. Let me show you what Jesus said. Jesus said this before he died. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. No, dear friends, if Jesus never rose from the dead, you must have pity on Christians as being the most delusional people on earth. To put such a banner with such words behind the coffin of their loved ones. They'll be the most pitiful people. However, if Jesus did rise from the dead, you can never again look at such a banner and the coffin the same way again. So as we come back to Saul, we ask the question, what happened to Saul after Damascus, uh, his journey to Damascus? After wrestling with the reality of Jesus' resurrection and understand what God's word has always been saying about Jesus, Paul's life was literally turned upside down, or should we say right side up. It was problematic for him to say the least because when he accepts Jesus' resurrection, he has to give up everything he held dear, his reputation, his security, his power, his religious ideals, his fans, his Instagram and Facebook likes, and become vulnerable like all those people he had been imprisoning and call himself a Christian. And that is exactly what he did. And so I'd like to bring us now to the writings of Saul, also known as Paul, years later, to understand the implication of Jesus' resurrection on him and on Christians who are willing to celebrate Easter. There are briefly three implications I would like to invite us to ponder. The first 
is that Jesus' resurrection changes our direction in life. Number two, Jesus' resurrection becomes the anchor for us to face life's uncertainty. And finally, we need to know Jesus' resurrection if we are going to face death with confidence when it comes for us. So first of all, we are told in the Bible, the apostle Paul, he did did receive his sight after three days. He was baptized by a Christian called Ananias. He started to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus and he came with a cause. He was no longer that favored religious, uh, upcoming religious um, leader. He became the enemy of the state. His journey to declare Jesus landed him with five times of 39 lashes over his back. Rods were, 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 struck, were striking him. Stones were thrown at him. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He faced dangers from bandits, from Jews, from Gentiles. When he was in a city, he faced danger. When he gets to the countryside, he faces danger. He wanted, nevertheless, to keep going because he wanted to announce and proclaim the Easter message, the reality that Jesus did rise from the day he wanted the world to have the good news that we can be forgiven and that we can be risen, we can be risen to life in the future. So the resurrection of Jesus changed the life of Paul and changed the life of Christians for the rest of human history. For the millenniums, even today, you find Christians will make decisions that seems counter-rational and totally have no economic sense. Christians would give up their their leave, their applied leave, to go to places that are totally uncomfortable to tell people about Jesus. Some, at the peak of their health and their life and their career, would just quit and then spend more time to tell people about Jesus. Others would give their money to do the work of reaching out with the gospel. Christians will risk their health, their life, or they'll set up hospitals and schools in places that are in desperate need so that people can know that Jesus loves them. There are those who are being thrown into prisons or have a gun at their head, and they will rather die than to deny that Jesus rose from the dead. It was just one statement, but they will refuse to deny. Even it cost their life. Now, Paul, he wrote to a church in Corinth, which is today's passage that Sirti read for us, to explain why he lived in such manner and how Christians also would live in such manner. And this is what he said. First Second Corinthians 4, verse 13 to 14. He said, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Look at the beginning. It says, it is written. What Paul says, he's actually quoting from an even more ancient scripture. He took this from Psalms 116 verse 10, where the psalmist in Psalms 116, he actually said this, In that psalm, he said, 
the cause of death entangled me. The anguish of grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. But then the psalmist says, but still I believe. And so I speak. I look to God. And so Paul says here, he says, because he now believes in the resurrection of Jesus, he will continue to speak this message with his own life. The good news of Jesus having died and rose again changed everything. The moment we can see life through the lens of the resurrection of Jesus, everything changes. Whether we are physically free or we are homebound, whether we have a short life or a long life, whether we are healthy or we are sick, we are we are living a comfortable and prestigious life or we are in, in prison. To see through the lens of Jesus' resurrection means our whole life revolves around proclaiming this Easter message of hope to anyone who is willing to listen, anyone who wants to reconcile with God. So Christians all through the generations are to be like Paul, to say we believe and so we speak. So the resurrection of Jesus changed the direction of lives. But not only that, it is also the anchor against the uncertainty of life. For Paul, he's also saying in the passage that because he believes in an unmovable reality, his boat may move, the storm may come, but his anchor would not move an inch. Just think with me for a moment, your life and my life, just, just think about our own lives for this one moment. If the ultimate anchor of our lives, if you and I, we put all our security on movable objects, objects like money or work or business or health or family or safe environment, and they start to shake and move, perhaps by the unexpected storms of a pandemic, who knows, can reach the whole world, or a war or an accident, or sickness because someone sneezes at you, or death, our whole world will collapse. Just follow the current financial market for a moment. If you are reading news about current financial markets in the world, some have likened it to be like the Great Depression of the 1930s. At a pin drop that the pandemic is out of control, the whole market crumbles down. The moment someone says, I think it's under control, it starts to go up. Whether it's true or just perceived, the market swings unpredictably to the news of the world. And the same goes for our own emotions, yours and mine, where we hear life-threatening or shattering news. If our anchor is movable, so will our emotions. They'll be shaken so easily. By life's uncertainty, we swing with the news that comes along. But dear friends, if we are like Paul, and our conviction is anchored on Jesus' resurrection on Easter and his promise, then Paul says this. This is what Paul says in the same passage that we read. Paul says, God who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present all Christians to himself. Now our boat of life becomes anchored on a promise of resurrection 
And that means that resurrection will always be the final ending to the story of our lives. Now, as human beings, now we're all stuck at home. Perhaps some of us will be watching a lot of Netflix or a lot of movies. And here will be your experience. If we watch a two-hour movie, spend two hours of our life watching a movie, and it does not have a proper ending, that two hours becomes highly unsatisfactory. Perhaps some of you have already had some experience like that. Now, I remember watching the highly anticipated Star Wars The Force Awakens in Perth a few years back. I was with three friends who had waited for 10 years from being a young person to become parents of kids. And finally, this movie came out and we all went to watch. One of them bought us the first class premium seats in one of the cinema. I went there, I was amazed because I get to sit on this really big chair with buffalo wings and drinks and all kinds of things. They have free popcorns going. And two of the friends, uh, they had young kids and they paid top money, top bucks to babysitters so they can sneak out of the house to watch the movie. And so when we sat there, we enjoyed the show. The, the story went well in the beginning, but just as it reached the climax of the show, the screen paused. Lights came on, smokes came out. For a moment, I thought, wow, this cinema has got special effects. But then the speaker came on and a voice from the PA system says, everyone, we need to evacuate the cinema is on fire. And I literally, or we literally had to leave our buffalo wings behind. And we never knew the ending. We spent all those efforts watching a movie with no ending. How unsatisfactory was that? No, dear friends, if our world, if your life and my life are mere randomness, if there's no tying the knots of all the life story that we have, if our lives just end meaninglessly with a fire, a sickness, or death, how unsatisfactory the story of our world and the story of your and my life will be. How depressing and against the grain of our human expectations if you know there are people who have done evil and somehow they manage to escape the clutches of our human law and they just get away and enjoy life. And we, how unsatisfactory and against our expectation it will be if they never get their judgment. Or perhaps all the relationships that we treasure, that they are just mere chemical reactions with no meaning beyond our physical human existence. Look, look around you. If you see a loved one next to you, look at them. If you look at them and you realize if this is all just chemical reactions that have no meaning a few years time, how will you enjoy those relationships right now? How unsatisfactory life will be. But Paul says here, he says there is a God. The world will have a proper conclusion. There'll be judgment on the final day and everything known and unknown will be unraveled and be given an ending. Those who are guilty of any wrongs, they should be very afraid because judgment will come. Those who reject God, they should expect that God will reject them. But those who trust in Jesus to take their sins and hope in Jesus for resurrection, they can look with hope that there are more good things 
to come. So trusting in Jesus is the most amazing thing if his resurrection is real and his promise for us will come to pass. So Paul says with confidence in the following verses, he said this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So in fact, this is Paul's message. And this is also the Easter promise. Whatever the circumstances, says Paul, we do not have to lose heart because our confidence is that Jesus' death paid for our sins. Jesus' resurrection promised us and show evidence that we will have eternal life. So if we have a true relationship with Jesus, we may waste away on the outside, but inwardly we will renew. Our hearts will be renewed. Our emotions, our thoughts, our affections, our hopes will grow as we grow to know Jesus and his resurrection. And as we obey him and trust his words, that our character will grow and we will start to see if we can grow now, there is more growing and perfecting in the years, in the age to come. So as you trust in Jesus as our anchor, our troubles today, says Paul, in comparison to our future, becomes light and momentary. And so finally, dear brothers and sisters and friends, all of us will have to face death. The question is, how will we prepare for it? And Jesus' resurrection says that we are to see his resurrection to understand where we will be heading and to have confidence that we can reach the place that he wants us to be at. Because here's the thing about Easter or Christianity. We've heard it a few times today already. If you take away the resurrection of Jesus, you will literally extinguish the hope and very existence of Christianity. You don't really need to persecute Christians. It will just die off by itself. The moment the hope is removed, and it hasn't been for the last 2,000 years, but if you remove that hope, there's nothing left in Christianity. But if that hope is true, and Jesus' resurrection is true, then everything it has been happening and fulfilling will continue to fulfill until it's completed. It's true for Saul, it's true for Christians in the last 2,000 years, it is true for you and for me. So here we have, dear friends, as we want to close up on this uh, passage, I want to um, get us to think a little bit just one more time about our own lives. Because here's the thing, if Jesus is not true and we are mere molecules, then we will have issues to deal with because as human beings, we actually are never satisfied with temporal. We're never satisfied with imperfection. If you're an artist, you will always seek for greater perfection. If you are someone who's enjoying art, you will always admire a, a painting that's beautiful, an architecture that's nice. When we listen to songs, we love to hear songs 
that tells us about love that is beyond what we can reach. And as we look around, our world spends billions and trillions to extend life. All this don't make sense if we are mere molecules. But if there is a God and there is intention for God to give us eternal life, then that longing that we have in our hearts, they are really a cry, a cry out for solution, cry out for something to fill up the gap that the world cannot fill up. If Jesus really did rise from the dead and he tell us that there is resurrection eternal life, then that will be the reason why we have such longings. So that we'll look back to God and to fill it up with eternity. Dear friends, as we close this, I just want to share with you a recent article by a famous Christian apologist. His name is Ravi Zachariah. He has just recently been diagnosed with cancer. And he's writing this reflection of Easter in the cancer hospital in Texas. I just want to show you what he wrote while he was in the hospital seeking treatment. He wrote this on April the 9th, just a few days ago. Let me quote what Ravi said. He said this, I'm writing this from a cancer hospital in Texas. Two months ago, I was startled after a back surgery to learn that I had sarcoma, a rare form of cancer for which I'm currently undergoing treatment. I've had a healthy life blessed by God, so this came as a shock. I've always believed in the power of the message of Easter, but I believe it even more so now. It is the ultimate message of hope beyond all hopes. In fact, it is the ultimate grounding of hope. I've been lying in my bed thinking much the physical world, how much the physical world reflects the spiritual truths. Cancer, cancer is literally one root cell that begins to replicate itself, bringing death closer each day and overtaking a genuine, life-giving cell. It is amazing how this reflects the story of the fall in Genesis. Now he goes on to explain and tells us that we humans, really, we have also allowed the root cell of disobedience towards God to be our own God take root in our soul and that cell is multiplying and bringing us to eternal death one day closer. And we need a solution to deal with it. And this is what Ravi said. He said, when we rebel against God, there is remain there remains in God's economy the need for a savior, a perfect savior to rescue us. That perfect savior was provided by God himself in his son. And that gives an idea of how much God values every individual life. God values your life and my life to the extent that Jesus comes down to die for us and rise for us. And so we can say with Paul, these are the same words that Paul says to the church of Corinth in another letter. He says this. In fact, it's a declaration and a cry. He says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave. Where is thy victory? Your sin is the root cancer within us, but the life, death, resurrection of Jesus turned the tide in favor of God's creation order. So dear friends, 
Today we celebrate Easter as the day that changed the world. We did a poll right at the beginning. There are many things that change the world and have great impact. But Easter is the only one that changed the trajectory or the direction of us just being born and going to die. It offers a way out from death so that after we are born, we will be born yet again for eternity. That is the message and that is the offer of Easter. And as we close this time, it's worth for us to think, will we come to Jesus? Will we believe in this resurrected Jesus? If you are a Christian, I pray that this is an encouragement for you. If you are someone who is just listening and still pondering, can I invite you to at least engage with the topic of Jesus' historical resurrection? You can look out at Google. You can just drop your contact with us or just let us know so that we can continue a conversation with you to think about his resurrection. But I pray that we will not just forget this. The moment the pandemic is over, if it is over at some point, and wait till death comes before we rethink. I pray that in this time where we are staying at home, they will make good use of it to prepare for our life better. Can I pray for us? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for good Friday, two days ago, and for today, Easter. That through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can look at this life with great hope, whether we are staying at home or whether we can go out. Help us to engage with this message of the historicity of Jesus, his resurrection, and also to consider our own life and whether we will have resurrection in the future. Pray all this in the name of Jesus for your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.